Hello and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. I am Simone de Rochefort and I am joined tonight by my favorite people in the world, Christina Christina Warren, Senior Tech Correspondent at Mashable.com, and Brianna Wu, Head of Development at Giant Space Cat. Yay. How's uh, unemployment going, Simone? Yeah, well, really. What's up, Simone? <laughs> <laughs> if you follow me on Twitter or are my friend on Facebook, you probably saw the very exciting news that um, I can now say that I'm speaking as an individual and not a representative of Vox Media, which is my employer. <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, <woo! laughs> I got a job at Polygon.com um, as their new video producer. I am super freaking excited um i get to make awesome videos for them now and as part of that i am moving to new york city sometime this month which means i will be meeting christina for the first time our love affair will now like be able to start in person it will be on fire (laughs) it will be so on fire i'm so excited on fire like tim cook because because Bree's met both of us and hung out with both of us on a couple of occasions, but we've never met, and so this mm-hmm. is going to be amazing. Which means we have to take so many cute selfies, so and then send them to selfies. Brianna. Yes, yeah, yeah. While well, I'm up here in Boston, freezing well, my look, ass off. Well, look, you're close. Yeah. Well, okay, you're freezing your ass off, which is we, we feel for you. But here's the great thing: like you're literally just a train away, and so we can literally do rock, Rocket Con can become a reality now. Um, it has much, to happen. And not only that, but but but, but our but our plans of, of getting Hamilton tickets together, as difficult as that will will continue to be, like is now more of a reality it's too. Slightly more reachable. It is slightly more reachable. Maybe you can use those uh, Vox Media. Uh, connections Simone I mean I hear Lockhart has Lockhart Lockhart I hear has like great access to stuff so like you know if I ever meet him I will beg cry plead (laughs) anyone who has Hamilton tickets really I will beg and cry and plead in front of you you don't have to be a special person I mean, if you have Hamilton tickets, you're a special person in my eyes. You are eyes, a special person. So. Oh, ours too. Uh, that that uh, I think that what you want to do is uh, you want to you know tweet us at underscore Rocket uh, FM and uh, and let us know what we have to do, who we have to kill. This is a slippery slope, Christina. Well, I mean, it's Hamilton tickets. <laughs> I will. Right. I, I I'm just saying. I'm just gonna say I'm an adult with a credit card, so you Same. know I've got a job, and just just you know, like like. Then what is st- what yeah. has stopped you so far? Well, because is it they're fucking sold out for five years. Well, that's the problem, right? It has nothing. To, I mean, like if it were simply an issue of money, I think that there would for be no even me, it wouldn't, no it wouldn't be an issue. It's just it's like who has them? I would have spent my savings by now, but right. I can't. I'm prevented from exercising capitalism to obtain these tickets, but that is okay. I appreciate that the musical is appreciated, and I, I mean, look, enjoy it. And now, now, now you can you can do the uh, you you can get in line for the lotto every day and play the yes. lotto every day. Which so, yes, I, I mean, can. So, but anyway, congratulations, Simone. We're Thank so you. proud of you. I'm so proud of you. Yay! This is I'm great. So happy. Oh. Yeah, so this week has been full of paperwork and onboarding and all kinds of corporate shenanigans and fun. So I'm excited to start work and publish videos and do the things. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) So we are going to start by rehashing uh, and expanding on something that we talked about last week, which was the FBI (laughs) trying to get access to those iPhones. Yeah. Uh, Christina, how many articles have you written about this since last week? Because I've read five. I've read five. Uh, okay seven, seven or eight 
I'm oh guessing. Oh my god! I was researching the show and I just like typed Apple into Mashable, and literally it was just a page of like FBI, Apple, FBI, Apple, yep. <laughs> Bill Gates, Google. Everyone is weighing in on it. Everybody's which is weighing in appropriate because it's really uh, freaking important. Yes, uh, Bill Gates, uh, who is w- kind of wishy-washy, so is Sundar Pichai. Oh. Uh, they're both wishy-washy. Bill Gates more so, which is disappointing. Mark Zuckerberg, slightly measured, but much more on Apple's side. The WhatsApp CEO is like, go Apple. It's been, but it's a weird thing because as we discussed this last week, a ton of stuff, since we discussed this last week, a ton of stuff has happened. So last week, a week ago was when the information was first made public. And since then, a number of things have come into light, which we are not going to have time to kind of rehash here because this is kind of a moving target case. But, um, you know, basically Apple responded with their letter last week. And then um, subsequently, you know, um, after their letter was released, the Department of Justice did a very interesting thing, which was they they basically filed a second motion uh, asserting the exact same things they asserted in the first motion, arguing, compelling Apple to comply with the FBI orders. What also happened, though, was that we got more information about some of the cases where other um, uh, in, in other jurisdictions and, and, and other districts where uh, the FBI is or uh, those prosecutors in those cases really are asking Apple to unlock phones. And um, uh, all of these are happening under the All Rights Act, which is which is the, the act that um, uh the prosecutors are using in these cases to compel Apple to comply. So um, what happened on Friday was that the Department of Justice filed a second motion, basically, and long and short of it, they filed the motion basically because they wanted to respond to Apple's public claims. Mm-hmm. And um, basically we, we, reaffirm also, that their stance is what it is. Yes. And not only that, but I think that what's interesting and, and frustrating fascinating all these things um for me as a journalist is that there is this humongous pr war happening right now between the government and between apple and this is interesting for tech watchers because apple is you know they're the best in the business when it comes to pr um but they're on the ropes here you know they are 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 fighting a challenge they've never seen before and in in a public uh, policy discussion they've never seen before um at a level that that is kind of unprecedented and so i think by filing the motion on friday basically that was the government way of saying we want to take control of the narrative again now apple then responded by having a couple of conference calls with a journalist um, i was yeah. on one of those calls um where they revealed information about the case including the fact and, and honestly i don't think legally this matters one iota but it does become interesting which was the fbi in their forensics it looks like dropped the ball a little bit when it came to handling the phone because there was um, an iCloud account on it. It had made backups. It stopped making backups, but we're not really sure why. Uh, the FBI says they think that the suspect, uh, or not the suspect, I mean, I think at this point we all know who's the shooter, um, disabled auto backups on his phone, but there's actually nothing to indicate that that would have been the case. Um, and uh, what they did is they reset the iCloud password. The problem with that was that there would have been potentially a way that Apple could have had um, an iCloud backup of, had had a full iCloud backup which which are stored unencrypted had the suspect had the, the the shooter's phone um, or it's actually his work phone been um, connected to a no network even locked if it was on a no network and, and plugged in it would immediately ping the iCloud backup server and back up the information and at that point Apple could have then turned that information over to the FBI if that had been the case there might not be this issue of can we get into the phone or not but because yep. The um, IT department um, disabled the iCloud pa- or, or changed the iCloud password at the behest of the FBI, the IT department says. Um, that was no longer a possibility. Um, that's 
you know, just kind of shows, though, the the, the various things, the, the problems that have kind of happened in this case. Um, another thing we've learned definitively is that there was no mobile device management on the phone itself. So the what phone... What does that mean? What does that mean? What yeah. that means, okay, so mobile device management is basically, like, if you've got a fleet of phones, like most businesses... Oh, right, right, are, right, like a large... Uh... Yeah, where yeah. the company basically, can get in. Yeah, of exactly. Yeah, and so, so you have like security Enterprise. profiles on your yeah. precisely. So you have like security management stuff, and there are a bunch of security management, mobile device management companies. There's there's good. There's Mobile Iron. Um, there are um, a, a bunch of these things, and if they and Apple even has like their own. They're pretty inexpensive. Um, you know, most uh, companies that provision phones out have some sort of access on it, and that way it means that if there's a problem, they can get into it. They can wipe things. They can reset things. In this case, it, it seems like you know we're not sure why, but the the, the San Bernardino Department of Health did not have any sort of software on the phone. So they basically just issued the phones to the employees and let them do with it as they wanted. And so there's no way for their IT people to then get into the phone unless they happen to know, you know, the passcode. That's, uh, you know, not great. And, and frankly, it's kind of unconscionable, I think, to have a department, you know, a, a health department of health to have any sort of government kind of agent, you know, department that's not doing the most basic IT stuff. But again, yeah, you know, th- but these issues, the iCloud issue, I think kind of uh, take away from what the core issue still is, which is that the, the FBI and, and now the Department of Justice are asking Apple to build software so that they can break into these iPhones. Um before we kind of get into this further, and I want to hear you guys' thoughts, I do want to kind of make a correction slash, I guess, um, uh, further explanation about one of the things we talked about last week, which was, as we'd seen in the court filings, there have been 70 instances and in, 70 instances in the past where Apple has complied with the All Reds Act and given information from phones over um, to, uh, to, to the police. Um, what we've since learned is that those things all happened under iOS 7 and below. And that's an important distinction because in those cases, Apple didn't add end-to-end encryption on the device side on its phone until iOS 8. And so on iOS 7 and below, they actually could extract the data from the phone without having to do what the what the FBI is asking them to do now. So in those cases, they were able to get into the phone without having to create custom software mm-hmm. without Not endangering only a large yeah. number of people exactly. So basically, what we're what the government is dealing with here is that they found themselves in a world where the tools that they have been using in the past will not work yes. on modern yeah. iPhones. Right. But right. I, Christine, if I can... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, Christine, if I can return to that point, yes. because this is something... Uh, you know, at my gym, we have a lot of cable news on the, here. And I, I don't watch cable news. I don't watch Fox News. I don't watch any of that. But I saw a lot of what... The, the press was talking about and how like people that maybe don't follow technology were getting right. their information. It was repeated again, 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 70 right. phones, 70 phones. Yes. Apple has done this in the past, yes. 70 phones. Why, is why aren't different? you doing that? Yep. And that is why what you're saying is such an important correction. Because, yes. Well, because it's, it's making it sound the way that I feel is, I, I truly don't know and you could probably speak to this better than I can, but I truly don't know if some of this press doesn't understand the underlying technology issues or yeah. if the government is just giving them a very one-sided view. But It's both. Yeah, it's really it's disturbing to talk to normal people in my lives, in my life, well, that don't 
follow technology that aren't right. up to date on this. And all they know, because they've heard it, you know, from their terrible news on source, thing is, is, is that they've done this 70 other times. Why won't they right. do it in this case? And it's this so important right. to talk about the government and what the, what the perspective on it that the government is putting out there is, because... Yeah. Uh, I think you published an article this week, Christina, that says the government has asked Apple to crack 17 iPhones since October. That's just since October, yes. Since October. And this is the case that is being public. This is the case that is being blasted out everywhere. It's not the meth case. It's this case that is about terrorism. It is about public image. Like, it's a really... It is a hot button issue, and it's something that people get very fired up about. Yes. I'm fired up about it right now. But uh, it is very intentional that this is the one that is now becoming talked about everywhere. And it's you're because dead. You're perfectly engineered to be a news story. You're exactly right. You you uh, you said it so well, Simone. Um, that that's exactly right. And there as, as um, so there's an ongoing case uh, in in uh, Brooklyn actually, where in, in in the Eastern District of New York, and and we talked about this case a little bit, I think, last week. Um. Because I think some of that information had come out. We didn't have all the details. That was where that 70 figure was originally kind of cited. Um, where, uh, you know, they have been asked to access an iPhone. Now, what's interesting about that case is a couple of things. One, and, and this is why this case, as you say, isn't the one that's being publicly presented, right? Because in that case, A, the defendant already pled guilty. Um, B, the iPhone is actually running iOS 7. And so it stands to reason that there would be technical ways for the government to get into the phone without having forcing Apple's hand to compel um, there there might be some challenges depending on the exact version and, and and what tools are available but it certainly seems possible and even the judge in that case pointed out he cited another case where there was a phone running iOS 8.1.2 where the FBI was or the or the uh, the CIA someone was able to or, no he was the FBI where the FBI was able to, to break into the phone um, and he brought that up to the court and the court said well we can't get into it, uh, you know, the, the the tools don't work for us, so, so we need them to unlock it. But um, that case, you know, is, is different, as you said, because it's a drug case, and the guy already pled guilty, and Apple's fighting that case. And in that case, um, they uh, they filed a couple of motions, actually, on, I think it was Thursday or Friday, that became public yesterday, uh, so, so Tuesday as we record this, that basically revealed that there are 12 ongoing cases that they cited. And then in addition to that, there's 13 and 14, which are, um, you know, the the San Bernardino case and the New York case. And then there was another case, a 15th case, that was was, uh, cited in another government document. But then if you add in the total number of devices, it's 17 devices that they've asked. And this is just since October 8th. So just since October 8th, 2015, there have been 17 requests uh, for Apple to get into iPhones. And what's notable about that to me was that um, uh, five of the um, uh, nine phones that they included in a table in this filing were running older versions of iOS. We're running versions of iOS that, you know, presumably they would not actually need Apple's help getting into in this way. Um, but you're right. I mean, I think that it's really important for all of us to recognize and discuss openly and honestly, no matter what side of the issue you fall on. And, and and if you don't agree with, you know, kind of the civil liberties perspective, that's okay. But I feel like we have to have an honest discussion about why is it this case? Why is this the one that's being discussed? And why is it not anyone else? And it's because it's a terrorism case. It's because it's sexy. Yeah. It's because it's the case that will incite people the most. And um, on Sunday night, and, and I mean, this is what's been so nuts to me as a journalist reporting this case is that literally stuff gets released at the worst possible times. You know, like you have conference calls at 6.30 on Friday nights. You know, on Sunday night at 11 p.m., James Comey, who's, you know, the the director of the FBI, releases an op-ed to a blog called Lawfare where he basically 
said a bunch of stuff. He basically made it very clear, in my opinion, that he wants to legislate this and, and make it, in, 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 you know, make encryption illegal um, or at least put it on trial. I mean, look, he, he might some people might say that's not exactly what he said. What he basically said, though, was he kind of agreed with a, a point. I, I don't know if I made it on um, our podcast or if I made it on MASH Talk, but I made the point that, you know, this is one of those issues that and I was saying this last week, should not be decided on the bench. This should be decided by um, laws. And Comey basically said the same thing. Um, but it's very clear from his past statements about encryption, and it's very clear in the language that he used in that case, that what he's kind of calling for and the narrative that they're kind of pushing is that this is whether Apple wins or loses at this court battle, to me, is almost beside the point. I mean, it's huge. But this is going to become something that lawmakers are already drafting legislation on and it will become an issue of whether this gets passed as law you know will companies be forced to build backdoors into their phones which is just to me like goodbye any kind of security at all yes it's yeah, already it's such really a tenuous, terrifying our, like our yeah. our security is so tenuous already we've talked so many times this past year about companies getting hacked information getting leaked and this is just, I mean, it kept coming up over and over again in that interview Tim Cook did with ABC, the word slippery slope. It is. Like, you can't not say that it, wait, you can't say that it's not a slippery slope into a, a complete um, dissolution of any kind of security whatsoever if right. this comes to pass. If this comes to pass, yeah. Um, I, Pete Paschal, who who's my tech editor, he he made a really interesting comment, which was kind of like if you know, commenting about the fact that if, if Apple has dropped the pretense that they can't technically do what the FBI is asking them to do, and they they have completely dropped that pretense, then the FBI needs to drop the pretense that this is about one phone because it's yeah. not about one phone. And and well, and, and security yeah. experts have you know have weighed in even more specifically about the things that happen when you build a tool like what Apple is being built to, to, to um, at, being asked to build there, there's, you know, vetting and validation processes that happen that have to be public. And even if in this case, there wasn't a trial, um, although if they wanted to eventually try to convict someone or, or do something that evidence would have to be admitted, if the, you know, the, it, the, the tools could presumably be requested to be used in other cases too. And then in those cases, if there was going to go to trial, um, all the information about how they created these backdoors would have to be made public because it had to be validated by testing labs. And, and, and like at that point, you know, you're basically letting everybody know what can happen. There's the, the, Tim Cook, uh, as, as you mentioned, he gave a great and very candid interview, I thought, with, with ABC News. Um, it's up on their website. We'll put it in our show notes. It's 30 minutes as well with their watch um, where he basically said, you know, like he that that there's that creating these digital keys it's not like creating a physical key that you can destroy afterwards you know if, if you create this digital key like there's no going back on it and 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 it's it's not about one phone he says you know it's about the future and and i firmly agree with that you know um, absolutely i so. mean what i thought was so interesting about that interview with tim cook is i i think both of you are dead on like the government is going through they pick this case this is their moment they are i mean frankly they're abusing terrorism to infringe on our civil liberties which is very disturbing what i found so remarkable about that interview is that abc reporter was throwing really hard questions at tim yes Cook. he started off with what would you say what do you to say to the families the families that were killed by these terrorists what and and I have to say, like, I want to find out who trained Tim Cook to do media and hire that person because it is, I swear, like, Tim Cook could run for president in four oh. seconds. He, he, 
I the whole time like we were all talking about this before the show. Like I felt like my patriotism like just exploding, and like he is he is like he's sitting there and giving the most awesome, passionate, concise like defense of civil liberties in a way normal people can understand. Yes, yep. And, and explaining the tech in a way that normal people can understand. Exactly. No, and he, at he, the same time, so on point. this reporter is throwing the hardest questions at him possible, which I think was awesome because Tim Quick is just it's like if you it's like watching an MLB player like you're throwing like a they bring in the Ugh. best high school kid to like throw a baseball across the plate and he's just like bam it was beautiful David Muir David, David Muir did, did a really fantastic job asking questions and he asked he you know he he came they were not softballs at all I mean like you said nope. he opened up with what do you tell the families of this case yeah. and you know the only it was funny the only time he got stonewalled by Tim Cook at all um was when he asked about Donald Trump and and Cook wouldn't Cook wouldn't take the bait. He would not mention t- Donald Trump's name. He wouldn't talk about the presidential candidates. He he kind of you know maneuvered the question into another way and 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 uh, you know the reporter tried a couple times I think to try to get him to comment on, on Donald Trump is is now calling for a boycott of Apple products unless Apple. <laughs> unlocks the phone and I mean you know you don't even want to discuss that but the the reality is is that sadly I mean it's looking more and more likely like he will be the Republican candidate for president. And so that's got to be something that you think about, though. I mean, but it is a valid question. Like, this is going to become an issue that becomes very prevalent very quickly in the the campaign. This is this yeah. is going to become an issue because this case will not be decided by the time Obama leaves office. Um, can, can can we widen this question out to like yeah. a, a wider thing? Because I think I, I would hope I would hope a lot that most Rocket listeners like are on the same page with us about this. But this is why I want to know. Um, you know, I love Cory Doctorow professionally, but I remember the last time I hung out with him and he was talking about how, you know, anything he ever did would not end up on an Apple product because he didn't agree with their their uh, encryption DRM policies. Is this going to be the moment in Apple history where we finally get credit for the excellent job that we do on encryption. Because you look at Google and the statements they are making on the Android phone, you look at law enforcement agencies that have publicly made statements that they're not going to allow their officers to use Apple products going forward. Like, is this the moment that the public realizes that Apple is serious about this and they finally get some damn credit for the well, work I they do? Well, I freaking hope so, but apparently 51% of people think they should unlock um, the phone. Is that well, an accurate uh, statistic, n- It's think? not. It's not. Thank a God. Here, here, here's the problem with the Pew um, Tell question. Me. We don't Tell know, me we don't about know the Pew we don't know. We don't know how they asked the question, and and it's very important. Although, I mean, to to, to Bree's point, I mean, you listen to cable news and you get one side of the story, um, because they don't understand the tech, and because, frankly, the Department of Justice is doing a really good job. Um, you know, uh, talking to reporters. Apple's doing a really good job, too. I don't want to l- put them off the hook. Look, both sides of this are playing the press to press their narrative, uh, to, to, to press their narrative. And I feel like as journalists, what our duty should be is to find the truth. Um, and, 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 you know, like, even though I personally am very much like civil liberties, I'm, I'm pretty like ride or die on that. I'm trying to like be as balanced as I can with what are the real legal uh, likelihoods of, of this working out for them or not? What are, the, what are the real challenges? And that's one of the reasons why I haven't wanted to go in other than the reporting, the initial news, getting in deep on some of the iCloud stuff and some of the, the blame game with, with you know, the, the investigation aspects, because that doesn't ultimately matter. It helps, you know, push the narrative that Apple is trying to sell, but it doesn't really matter to the substantive issues. But I think the problem with the Pew survey 
um, is, you know, they, they, they could have asked the question, like, should Apple help the government get into the terrorist phone? Yes or no? Most people are going to say yes. OK, because you're not going to put it in a way that says where people can understand in a simple yes or no answer. Um, they're not including by, like the details of this is what Apple's case is. This is well, what the DOJ's case is. They're not they're saying, just, they're, they're, not they're, saying yeah. they're not they're not making it clear that if you were to let them access this phone, it would be possible for your phone or anybody else's phone to be accessed totally. in the same way. Yeah. And 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 that's the sort of, you know, I think that was what to, to your point, Bree, I think why whoever did the the, the management, the, the the media training for Tim Cook for the, for the interview with um, ABC did a phenomenal job because he kept he kept reiterating both the civil liberties point over and over again, but very smartly I thought this was very shrewd he shifted it not from um privacy but to public safety and, and, that's and an bringing inter- your family into it he yes. said they can track your children i counted four times i think yes and you know like i have to say it's a bit of a scary analogy but that's the well he's not wrong he's not wrong right. because what he's saying is and what he's sure. fundamentally right and i've been arguing about this when i've talked about this in other podcasts and things too which is you know people want to draw analog analogies to okay well lockmakers have you know g- g- can get locked your key this isn't the same thing though this isn't an analog world this is a digital world and and the, the, i think the reason why people are so scared about this and, and and why things are hot on both sides is because we literally do keep every Everything on our phones. And like I said last week, you know, it is a really scary thing where in one both we're telling people how to protect themselves and keep their data secure and keep their, their 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 things safe. And then on the other hand saying, but there needs to be a way that someone else can get access to it. The problem is, is that there's just not a, a way where only the good guys have access to something. Yeah, That's just not how it works. And, and, and a nice so, simple world like that. Precisely. And so I think it was really smart of Tim Cook to kind of bring the fact that he says this is not let me find the exact quote. Um he says, you know, he um It'd be very simple to make this about, you know, privacy versus national security. Um, but what he's really trying to say that it's that the, the position Apple is taking is really as much about public safety and 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 saying that the public safety would be at risk if the the government uh, was able to to do what they want. Uh, they were able to compel Apple to do what they want them to do because, again, you know, all the information you have on your phones would would potentially be susceptible and that includes location data that includes the apps that includes all of your communications that's you know he said he said more than once you know you, there are more there's more things about you in your phone than in your home and he's right and and I think that that's I don't know how successful that tactic will be with the general public but I feel like it's a smart way of saying um this is not just about you know the 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 the, the uh, national security sort of issue where we're saying, oh, we can protect people from, from, from terrorists. But the fact that, that if the software were to get into the wrong hands or were to be used in the wrong ways, public safety would be at risk too, is, is a really good one. And I, and I also thought that it was a nice kind of subtle job where he said more than once, talked about all the times the government has been hacked. And I think that that's valid. <laughs> I mean, I, I've brought that up before too, because I feel like it's a valid point. Like if you're, if you're going to ask for access to these things, how confident do we feel in law enforcement getting access to these tools and getting even under a warrant, no matter what the circumstances is, if a judge were, were to order and, and, and the court were to force Apple to write the software, okay, so law enforcement now gets access to these tools and can get access to this data. This is the same, we're, we're talking about you know local governments that won't even put MDM software on phones that they issue to their employees. So what are you what are you telling me? You're telling me that we can't, because of all these, you know, we, we can't trust the, the, the White House email. We can't trust the federal government to protect social security numbers at an hr level uh but yet you want to to trust and trust them that they will keep software that could be 
disastrous and and uh, it, it, Tim Cook, you know, likened it to a cancer. Um, but they were expected to believe that they could keep that safe or and under wraps. And that's just, I, I agree no. with him that that's, that's yeah. a stretch. Yeah, I want to be so generous with the government and say that they have everyone's best interests at heart here. They're trying to stop terrorists. But I literally can't believe it when the stakes are so high and the risks of this are so great. I cannot have any good faith in the FBI. But it... But it's like, you know, if you go back to, to classic science fiction, if you do, if you look at, you know, like William Gibson, you know, Neuromancer, you know, the, the, the future that we were really, really scared of would be a future where, like, the government has this level of information over you, right? And this, it is so, oh, it's so short-sighted. It's so short-sighted to think of this as just an American issue. Like... You know, look at the Black Lives Matters movement this year. You know, I anyone that follows any of those figures there can see on a daily basis police overstepping their bounds. There was a, a tweet storm from a prosecutor today, and she's saying, look, I respect police, but I've got to tell you about something that happened. And she's telling a story about a cop writing this long report about a child, like, doing donuts in a street, and, like, he was recharged with a very serious crime they take pictures of it and you can just see the tracks and he swerved to avoid an animal and you know we're really talking about the government being able to use anything in your phone to go after you and i mean just just trust me you can follow what gamergate does to me every day and see people taking parts of your life and twisting it and then using it against you there's no one Mm -hmm. out there that can survive that. No one. And this is a really, really, really critical thing going forward. This is this is a question if we're going to have civil liberties going into the next hundred years of American history. So, you know, the stakes could not be higher. And frankly, I am tired of the government abusing the public sphere of terrorism to infringe on their civil liberties. And it, it really disappoints me to see the Obama administration complicit in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it. It does. It does. I blasted George Bush about no, this. No, yeah, you're totally doing you're, the same you're thing. You're totally really, right. You're, yeah. Well, that, that's what's so interesting about this. And I think it's one of those important things to note is, is that because this is going to become a legislative battle, I think, um, is ultimately how this is going to be decided. And this is one of those issues that doesn't fall down party lines. And I think it's important to note that, right? I think it's important that we recognize that this doesn't fall down party lines and that, um, you know, it, it, that just because, you know, the Patriot Act happened under George W. Bush doesn't mean that a Democrat, whoever is, is elected, would or, or, or that the Congress that, that that's in office wouldn't still pass something similar. And that's why I think as individuals, as the people, we need to be so informed about this and we need to um, really um, have this discussion in public, which I think is maybe the only good thing that's happened with this. I mean, also in that ABC interview, you know, Tim talked about the fact they basically found out about the filings from the press and he seemed very upset and almost, you know, uh, not hurt, but but definitely frustrated that the FBI and the Department of Justice decided to make this public the way they've done it. And I and in his the, the what he didn't say was what you had said earlier, Simone. You know, this is clearly being done for political means, and of course it is. Um, but you know, the fact that um, at least this is happening in public. At least this, I think, it's we're fortunate as a, a populace that the company that is this is happening to is a company like Apple that is strong enough financially 
that they can actually take this on because I don't know what the case would be mm-hmm. if this were a, like 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 it's a Canadian company, so it's not exactly a direct parallel. But let's say this was BlackBerry. I <laughs> I don't think that BlackBerry would, and I don't know what their position on on this case is because they won't talk about it. Um, something tells me that because many of their sales, in fact, most of their sales at this point are to government agencies, they probably would tend to side more with the government than they would, um, you know, con- uh, civil liberties. But I, I can't speak for them. But in that case, if you're talking about a company that has a lot of debt and a very small market cap, you can't expect them to put on a principled, you know, fight against something like this. So it's, I'm glad that this is happening publicly, even, you know, the the, the company that this is happening to is one that is willing to stand up and actually have the, the discussion in public, no matter what, which way it ends up turning out. You know, I'm glad that this this discussion is happening publicly. I think I think this is really I, I was thinking about this in the historic moment and I don't think we've seen a moment yet with Tim Cook as CEO of Apple where we've really seen historic like leadership that is gonna make the history books. And I was literally I, thinking this is his biopic moment. Th- it like is. this interview. It is. Sorry, go on. <laughs> well no, it's it's you know, I oh I, I tell you, Christina, after the show is over, I'm going to talk to you about a conversation I had with some Apple engineers last night, because I know a lot of stuff that I didn't know a few days ago. But I was I was thinking about this because one of the things I heard from them was talking about the difference in Tim Cook's leadership. And, you know, it has been reported so much how Tim is, he understands what he's good at, he understands what he's not good at. He's kind of a hands-off person, and he, you know, lets his lieutenants make the sub decisions there. And I, I think Tim has been a good CEO overall, but there's no moment of him standing on stage, unveiling the iPhone, and like changing the next twenty years of computer history. There, there's no moment like that yet. But this ABC, this is it. This, this is his moment. He was the leader that Apple really needed at this moment. And I just, it it just, it makes me so proud to, you know, to write about Apple and to comment on Apple and to, you know, to be supporting that. Like, that's, it's just fantastic. Tim Cook for president. <laughs> I, I would vote for him over any of these. Yeah, workers, no, I so, mean, it, yeah. we've been very professional about our love for Tim Cook so yep. far tonight. But so far, we're, we're, we're going to keep it professional. We're, yeah. we're, we're going to keep it professional, yep. Simone. And we have to. But, but no, I mean... But no, I mean, absolutely. I mean, he was asked about that at the end of the interview. He said, you know, is this the biggest challenge you face? And he didn't want to come out and say yes, but he basically said yes. I mean, he says it's right up there. And mm-hmm. this will be because, frankly, I can't think of an optic war and a PR war any worse for them than this. Because, no. you know, I mean, at the end of the day, the way that this the government is going to be, um, you know, spinning this and the way that a lot of people already are is that Apple doesn't care about catching terrorists. It's just so... and. I mean, that's so overly simplistic, but that and, and there's so many other things going on. But I mean, that's going to be a really hard thing for them to fight back. And that's why they're doing more um, they're, by the talking more. It'll be really interesting. So Friday is, is the deadline for their response to, to the government's motion to compel. And when that comes in, you know, we're also expecting that the ACLU, the EFF uh, will file um, uh, briefs and support. You know, this is going to. Look, this is just going to continue to get crazy. But what's nuts about this, I mean, is just when you consider the timeline and already Congress kind of, you know, put something in today, legislators saying we want a one year, you know, uh, congressional group, you know, some sort of special task force on encryption. 
and that's all well and good, but again, I think it kind of speaks to the fact that what ultimately ends up happening in this case at a judicial level is only the tip of the iceberg because what really what what we, what I think we have to be worried about is what happens on a legislative level because mm-hmm. whether you know the judge rules in favor or or against for or against Apple in this case I mean if they ruled uh, against them and and it got all the way to the, the Supreme Court there could be some precedents there but I feel mm-hmm. like this is going to be one of those things where regardless of how things come down there's going to be you know legislative challenges about this and that's you know i think from a civil liberties perspective where all of us need to be very aware of what's being asked and what we give up if if those things are met yeah and with regards to it being his biggest challenge like i'm sure it has to be because it's not just about apple it's about all of their customers it's about other companies as well it's about google yes. it's about microsoft it's about everyone so thanks for taking that bullet for us Apple. <laughs> this episode of Rocket is brought to you by Smile and PDF Pen. PDF Pen. <laughs> Mood shift abruptly. Okay, so PDF Pen, as you know, is an awesome tool for working with PDFs. It makes it super simple to do it. It covers all the basics like filling out forms and signing forms, uh, up to making edits and highlighting, all kinds of things. It turns you, quite literally, into a PDF wizard. Um, <laughs> you can like harry potter <laughs> like harry potter literally like yeah you actually wow. when you, you you don't just purchase pdf pen in the app store you go to a little shop and they 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 match it to you based on your personality it has a right. special wizarding wand core anyway no you, you get you do sorted buy it in the app store you get, you get and sorted and, and then you can sort pages really easily with the software too very true very true <laughs> Sign contracts, sign forms, export to Word, number pages. Um, it works for um, iPad and iPhone, um, and there's a Mac app as well, if I'm not wrong. I don't think I am. Um, so if you want to live in a beautiful, simple digital world where you don't have to print things out and sign them with a an analog pen, like a common beast that lives in a barn, uh, this is basically a necessity i as a person who has been signing things for the last week let me freaking tell you not having to print things out and sign them with my physical hands well i mean i I use my physical hands on the keyboard and mouse but you know i don't use my physical hands with a pen which you know i don't touch on principle because i am a a creature of of the digital world i that got away from me a little bit anyway PDF pen by Smile makes it super convenient to sign all those forms uh, without all the hassle. I know you guys both use it and you enjoy it. Yes. I've been going through, honestly, I've been going through PDFs, like hundreds and hundreds of pages of documents for the last week oh, because God, of this. Yeah. Because, you know, the in, in, in the uh, San Bernardino case, there have really only been, you know, like two things filed and, and they're, I think, 35 and 48 pages each. But in the Brooklyn case, which I've been reading up on because... Um, a lot of the arguments that the prosecutor makes are probably similar things that the government will be making in San Bernardino. Um, and Apple's response will probably be similar in that case, too. There have been, I mean, one one thing that I got from Pacer was 306 pages. Um, now, fortunately, I was not charged 10 cents per page. I think Pacer cut me off at like 30 pages or something. They were like, we're only going to charge you for this amount. I was like, thank you, Pacer. Uh, but yeah, but I've been using PDF uh, uh, Pro for PDF Pen uh, to go through it because it's such it's such a superior um pdf like mm-hmm. reader and and whatnot and it's really good the ocr stuff is really good because some of the some of the depending on the scan quality some of it works well some of it doesn't so it's it's been um very helpful 
Yeah. And if you are confused about how to use it, they do offer 10 tutorials by Mr. David Sparks. Uh, you can check them out on their website and you can learn more about it at smilesoftware.com slash rocket. Uh, you can use PDF Pen 7 and PDF Pen Pro 7 um, on OS 10 with Yosemite um, and El Capitan. And then PDF Pen for iOS uh, is in the App Store where you will find it and enjoy it and love it and rate it and review it. Just like and- you will this podcast, Rocket, which is supported by Smile. Thank you so much. We love you. Thank you, Smile. Yay. That was your most professional ad read yet, Simone. I definitely I, think so. I think, I think is, <laughs> is there an Academy Award for like ad reads? There should be, and I think Simone would would win. I mean, yeah. I know that the, the competition. I know, I know that Micah, Micah is trying Micah. to start a competition with you. I know Micah's trying, and I love Micah. You know, I do cartoon cast with him um, on the Incomparable Network. But uh, but but Simone, I gotta I gotta give it to you. I I will I will he I am honored to be in the same category as Micah and he should be even more honored to be in the same category as me. I mean, look, one of you will be Leonardo DiCaprio, which which is great, right? Because what it means is that even if you don't win time after time after time after time, your day will come and you will win. Me which is what's going to happen desperate on trying to record ad reads going out in the in the wilderness. Getting getting, getting sodomized by bears. Yeah, I mean the what? whole thing. Does that actually happen in that movie? Uh yeah. Holy crap. I mean, he didn't really in real life, but I mean, you know, I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but I mean, he 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 did like get really cold. That's what they like, want you to believe, Christina. I mean, I I've I've heard about method. I don't think that anybody would put themselves through that for even for an Oscar. I don't think anybody would put themselves through that. I just that. heard but, that he uh, crawled inside a dead animal. I didn't Oh my god. This is changing my life. I I I don't think I can I can <laughs> we turn off the recording. <laughs> <laughs> no okay let's let's breathe everything breathe. simone was saying a few minutes ago but please review rocket don't do that this week do not review rocket like like wait another week to review it that will be good <laughs> what are you talking about this is nothing. a brilliant episode everything is fine i'm not on fire and nothing has gone off the rails so, we're gonna so, talk about and Samsung. also let me make a correction i oh, mean yeah, it's it. not clear in the movie i mean it is but uh, just to be clear i was kind of being flip about the fact that leonardo dicaprio was raped in the revenant it's more like he's mauled but okay anyway i'm just i just just want because people are gonna email us and i am film girl so anyway <laughs> there we go sorry go on move on christina i've seen so much catty journalism and this is you deserve an Academy Award yourself for this piece this week because it is so mean <laughs> and the headline is so perfect and it it's is so just, it is like, oh, oh. Oh, we're talking about free, is, right? Oh, it's so yeah, perfect. I'm rubbing my hands it's together, so but not because I don't want the sound to come through. Oh, God. <sighs> yeah. Okay. So. Wow. Yeah. Christina, you yeah. and Carissa. Yes, reviewed my girl. slash not reviewed we did not review because they i don't think they will give us one to review no, they, they did it's no, in their best honestly, interest not to no when when we when carissa reached out for for comment about why this thing was so expensive he was very nice when the response and made us feel a little bit bad about what we'd already written we hadn't published yet um and said hey if you're in new york city i can give you a demo i was like yeah something tells me i'm not going to be getting that demo opportunity <laughs> had it already gone up when no okay no no, we no because we weren't gonna write what we wrote without reaching out to. The, we, it Very was only fair that we reach out to the company yeah. first and like try to get some clarifications. I didn't. 
look, I'm typically not very mean in like my writing stuff, stuff um, just because that's not really Mashable's brand. But this was a product that was so ridiculous and an idea that was so ridiculous. And frankly, the fawning from the rest of the tech press was so ridiculous that Carissa and I, we were in Slack when this was brought to our attention and we just started going off about it. And and funnily enough, I mean, not everybody at our at our at Mashable feels the same way we do. Two people actually really like the idea of the product. I think most people are our team, um, uh, C-Mac and KB Toys. But some people, those are our nicknames, by the way. I'm C-Mac. She's KB Toys. Uh, you get one guess as to who gave her her nickname. <laughs> Of course, <laughs> obviously. Um, but no, uh, yeah, I, the headline I think is all you really need to know about this, which is the $500 free write word processor is pretentious hipster nonsense. Snaps my fingers in approval. So this is yep. a word processor that is totally analog, minus the fact that it does conveniently back up to Dropbox, Evernote, right. and Google Docs. Well, that's the thing. It's not totally analog. It has an analog keyboard, but it is a e-ink screen that is a text editor, basically. So you can type in plain text. It has Wi-Fi built in. And it'll save to a Dropbox or a Google Drive or, or um, mm-hmm. uh, Evernote account. Um, but it is basically – there used to be this thing called the Neo the, – the, called the um, – What's it called? It's called the Alpha Smart Neo, which are like these writing tools where basically it's like a big giant keyboard that's attached to like a tiny ass screen that you type into. And so, I mean, it very much is kind of like the modern interpretation of a word processor. And for people who aren't familiar with word processors, this was <laughs> in an era before. Well, no, look, honestly, a lot of people probably aren't. It was what happened after um, you had electric typewriters, but before you had full blown computers. So you basically had a single purpose machine where the only thing you could do on it would be to write word processing documents. My parents actually had one. Um, and, uh, some of them even had weird GUI things on them that were kind of like proto versions of windows, but they didn't run DOS. You know, they did they basically was just a single purpose thing that you could type in, make corrections. Yeah. And then I remember print it from. very well. Yeah. yeah. You, a lot of them had three and a half inch floppy drives and some of them had five and a quarter inch drives. Some of them had weirder things. And so, you know, this is kind of that and, and it's being sold in such a way. And it was actually originally called the Hemming Wright and it raised $350,000 on Kickstarter, which, okay, um, is, you know, a, it's it's a distraction-free, they, 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 they hype it up as being like this distraction-free writing environment, like app, right, or like a device, which, okay, how many distraction-free writing apps have the three of us used or at least seen? Right, show of hands. I mean, oh, I have a at billion. least a exactly. Well, right, I, have, they're, they're, I have my go-to one um, like, yeah. because I'm as addicted to Twitter as a human being can be. Totally. And which one do you uh, use? so I have self-control on my Mac and yeah, uh, the, I, the, the, I, I swear by that. It's mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah. There's self-control. There's 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 an app like Byword. There's Focus. There are a lot of distraction-free writing apps that basically the idea is to kind of like block out everything around you and just focus on writing. And that's great. Um, this kind of does the same thing, except on a five and a half inch e-ink display. So a couple things on that. One, the size of the display basically means you can only see like three or four sentences at once. Two, the way this thing is situated, you basically are staring down on it while you're typing. Like you can't like tilt it up and like, you know, look at it like you would a regular laptop it's, thing. It's very much one solid chunk Complete, of the machine. What? You can't Precisely. handle the screen or anything. And they claim that it costs so much because of the mechanical keyboard. Okay, that's I'm going to call BS on that because I know mechanical keyboards and cherry switches are expensive. They're not that expensive. And frankly, that e-ink display shouldn't be that expensive either. $500 is how much this thing costs. It's going to be 550 once pre-orders stop. That's as much as an iPad Air 2. So you could get 
for basically the same price as this thing is, is an iPad Air 2, a really great keyboard. Hell, you could buy a mechanical keyboard if you wanted to be really cool and hook it up through the USB attachment or even get a Bluetooth one. And then use ByWord for iOS or another distraction-free writing app. Use Hanks Writer, which is Tom Hanks' writing app. Keep, uh, typewriter app is actually pretty cool. And now, and then just turn off the internet on your on, on your iPad. <laughs> you want distraction-free writing? Turn off the internet. Like, just turn it off. Um, <laughs> so this thing is $500. That's what I can't get over about this. A, it looks ridiculous. And it looks like pretentious it's hipster nonsense. hideous. It's Ugly. hideous. It Ugly. weighs four pounds. It's four pounds. It's completely black, except for the keyboard, which is white. And then with with red accents. Garish red accents. Yeah. And this tiny, tiny little e-paper screen that looks like a a freaking, what are those, um, with the knobs that you twist to draw on? An extra sketch. It looks like an extra sketch. It does. It looks like an extra sketch. And then there's like, they had these things on the side where you can turn Wi-Fi on or off. And then you can select folder A, B, or C. Like, because it doesn't even have an interface to where to save your stuff. With a, a dial. Pink dial. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's five hundred dollars. Real typewriter. Thank you. I'm sorry. I, here's the thing. I would be so much more down with the hipsters who actually want to have a real electronic typewriter, like with them or electric typewriter with them. Why? Because that's at least analog and cool. This is just. This isn't even analog. This is just being a hipster for no reason. This is like, and I said this in my piece. Like already, like the sign that you have too much disposable income is no longer the rose gold beats. Guilty. It is instead <laughs> the fact that you have this thing. I mean, so you should be grateful, Christina, because they're taking the heat off you. Uh, totally. Well, and I admitted this. You know what really bothered me about this? I'm just going to quote myself entirely here because I was actually pretty proud of this. And this is pretty accurate. It's like, you know why this product really upsets me? I buy everything. Like, seriously, <laughs> I buy everything. I'm every horrible stereotype you can think of of an early adopter crossed with a label whore. I'm actually the worst type of consumer. But even me, someone who once backed an Instagram digital photo frame. Seriously, I did. Oh my, oh my like, gosh. I did. Wow. It's like, you know what? I'm good. Like, this is too pretentious even for me. No, and I I have a friend who actually does write. She bought an old typewriter and she writes on it because she does get really distracted. Awesome. And it actually turns into an awesome process for her because when she, she has to go and type up all the pages and that turns into like an editorial process and it works really well. This is ridiculous. Yes. <laughs> and like, everyone has their own writing style. Yes, we... Everyone gets distracted sometimes when they're connected to the internet. But like you said, there are literally so many apps. So many. So, so many, many apps. That you could use. So many apps. And like Carissa uh, described this, right? I'm going to quote her now. She's like, if I had to imagine writer hell, that's how I envision it. Yes, getting distracted is a huge problem, but it also makes writing a lot easier to, you know, have access to the internet and stuff. Can you imagine writing for hours and not being able to quickly look up an article or the definition of a word? On a even four if you only pound write... clacking machine. Sorry, yes. Go on. Even if you only write fiction, I can't imagine writing for any length of time without easy access to the internet or the ability to go back and reread my last three paragraphs. She's so right. Like, that's the thing. Like, just scrolling up with this thing. Like, it's, it's a a nightmare i don't understand this product or why it exists but fundamentally what really uh, the reason we had to write this takedown was because literally wired the verge TechCrunch, cnet everybody is like this thing fawning is amazing. over it fawning, fawning embarrassing over it. why i don't know i don't understand i literally I don't, don't understand it. and i'm a person who writes almost exclusively now on my iphone in google docs I use a small screen to write on. Right. And you know what? It works better for me. Of than, course it does. And it, it's a tool that I have that I don't need to spend 500 extra dollars on. Totally. 
And, and I have to say, like, I haven't used this, so I don't know what the latency is like or how this really works. But I have to imagine with the e-paper display, unless, you know, they've really done something with it, there, there's probably some latency with entering stuff in. Because I know on my Kindle, like, every time I type into something on my Paperwhite, there's, like, a little, like, millisecond delay when you press the letter and then it shows up. So I would hope that this doesn't have bad latency, but that's kind of one of the problems with e-paper is that, is that it doesn't have a high refresh rate. So there probably is some there, which to me would be like, as a writer, that would be more distracting. Plus, let's, let's, plus, honestly, I mean, even if you believe in this whole like, like writing distractions thing, and it is a real thing, like if you're out of the coffee shop with this thing, you've got your phone on you too. Yeah. Dude, your phone's going to be beeping and like, it's just as easy to get lost and distracted by your phone and just ignore like the four pound hunk of aluminum (laughs) that is sitting on the table looking douchey. You're, you're still not going to write the next Turn off Wi-Fi novel. on your phone. Turn off Wi-Fi on your laptop that you have like a normal human being. <laughs> and write. There, there's a certain point, too, where managing distraction really is a professional skill, right? Like right. that self-control is part of having a career where you get paid to write in the real world and not in your hipster fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> like, like it's just it's but it's true it's true because if you are really paid to write if you like this fantasy about going off to a cabin like to walden pond you know where you're gonna write the next great american it doesn't work like that like you were checking with editors you're fact checking as you go you were doing interviews you were communicating with people and it's ah it's just i i can't i can't this this whole product the first time i saw it 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 reminds me and i posted we'll put a link to this in the show notes so I learned to program on a Texas Instrument calculator that was called the TI-92. It was like yeah, a super... Yeah, I love the TI-92. I know, right? It's, it's I huge. Had the TI-80, I had the TI-89, which was the one that they would let you take into the SATs with you. So yep. it was the same power as the, as the 92, yeah. but, they, but they let you use it on the SAT. But, but this one has like a keyboard and a programming yeah, language it's, and yep, it's it's, it's clunky. And I actually bought one on Amazon today because I saw that and I'm like, I miss my TI-82. I'm going to buy this. So, that, was a cool, that was a great calculator. It was a good thing. So yeah, don't buy this or we will all judge you. And no, if well, you're in New thing. York, and, and, yeah. And, and this is sort of my point too, right? Like how much did you spend on the TI-92 on eBay? Uh, $40. <laughs> okay, this is okay. So this is my point too. So you can get like the, the Alpha Smart Neo for like 40 bucks. They've discontinued them, but they're available, which is basically the same thing with the cloud component. And frankly, like the cloud component may or may not work well. I'm not even sure because we haven't seen how the software thing works. And plus it only saves it in plain text. So like, it's not even like you I can want get you your to fun markdown this, stuff. Christina. I want them to send you one just I mean, <laughs> despite everything. Yeah, I, I, I don't think they're going to do that. Um. After I've called them, you know, pretentious, hipster pretentious nonsense, I, I don't think it's going to happen. I'm, I'm all for it. Here's the thing, too. I would absolutely review it and give it as fair of a review as possible. Um, but I, I would draw the line at buying the product to review it. Um <laughs> Because you know what would be so funny is if like they did send you one and you just fell in love with it and you rearranged <laughs> oh, your entire <laughs> professional life 
like you're Completely. you're trying to find that... some pink bag to carry it with, yep. and that, you're oh at a party God. uptown, and you've got your stupid little honestly, like hipster on, four honestly, pound thing. Be, yeah, that would be their absolute best case scenario. Like that would be the greatest like troll they could ever accomplish, which would be like we got the person who hated on us to love us, and and that would be the only way that we might possibly be able to get a review. You know, would be like oh we can we can turn them. Um, he, I'm, I'm going to be dead honest though. I don't think there's any way that that would happen. <laughs> Especially if you used it to write the review. That well, would yeah. Be, well, have that would, honestly, that would be the only way you could do it. The only way you could actually review this product is to use it to write the review. That is the only way. Oh. And from my own writing process, I can tell you right now, that would be hellacious. Because <laughs> um, I, I write in text documents. I write in plain text. Um, I write in Markdown. But um, it... Uh, you know, I have like a million web windows open. I have a million other things going mm-hmm. on. I'm referencing stuff all the time. I'm making notes in other places. Yeah, text like expander. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There, yes, I have a whole process. Like there's, I would not, it, it's hard enough for me to replicate it when I'm on a computer that's not my own to the point that I have like my TextMate settings like saved in Dropbox so I can sync them like through SSH. Um, like when I log onto another thing, like I'll install TextMate just so I can get all of my shortcuts and everything. Like, and same with Text Expander. Like I literally like have like a little three minute setup process anytime I'm on a different machine because I can't write other ways. But if I have to write other ways, I'm like, it, it's painful enough, but I can't even imagine it being painful on a, a, a poorly lit screen um, that I can only see a few lines on. And yeah, the mechanical keyboard might feel great, but it might also... I, I don't know. It's just this is garbage. It's I garbage. I think I think mechanical keyboards are a bit of hipster nonsense too. Like it, it's I know a lot of coders love them, but I they I sound don't know. nice, but uh, not necessary for me. I don't know. No. I, I should mean, we wrap up the show or should we do the Samsung store? Uh let's talk about it. Christina. That was an yeah. awesome video. You're like yeah, it you're, was so you're all stories this week. You're all three rocket stories. Congratulations. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Yeah. Sorry, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, Samsung opened up a new flagship in uh, New York City at 837 Washington Street. It's called Samsung 837. It's actually a really awesome space. It is not a retail store. It is a flagship retail experience or, or, or retail space, I guess they call it. But it is not a store because you can't actually buy anything in it. I mean, you can buy food, but you can't buy products, which is kind of weird. Mm-hmm. So it in the video that you published on Mashable, it is a huge space, three stories huge. tall, and they have a three-story, 96-screen television, yeah. basically. Like, 96, 55-inch televisions all stacked up, and there's a 75-seat theater, there's... It, it's not... It's, like, basically a place to explore Samsung products, but it also looks like it's going to be a place where they're going to be holding events yep. and kind of trying to get people engaged. Honestly, what it made me think of is, like, a children's museum, but for Samsung to- products. It totally like, was. It totally was. Like, so the coolest part of it was, is there's this, uh, there's this installation from, from, from Black Egg and, uh, I can't remember, the, and, and Kenzo Digital, where they basically created, like, this VR tunnel. So you walk in and you have to put little booties on your shoes because you're walking on mirrors. And first, when you walk in, you enter in your Instagram um, name and you walk into this, to this, to this tunnel, which has mirrors on the floor and on the ceiling. And it's got screens all over the sides of the walls and on the ceiling too, where literally there are hundreds of screens. And what you see are your Instagram photos, but it's not just your photos. It's also your hashtags and your, and like your, your, your um, descriptions. And it starts talking to you and you start seeing the, the, the things that are all around you. And it's freaking cool as hell. So as you walk further and further in the tunnel, like the noise gets louder and louder. And then you start seeing your photos and mesh with other people's photos. It's bizarre and freaky, but amazing. 
I, I can't wait for them to shoot a science fiction movie there because the whole time I'm watching, I'm like, some, like, someone's going to get killed on this and some, like, procedural <laughs> show on television. But it really, like, people, we've got to include the video in the show notes because def- uh, yeah. it is... It is a stunning space. and Yeah, it's an amazing it, space. It, and I'm so going to be great. able to go there really soon. Oh, yeah, you are. Envy. Yeah, oh. yeah no, we, we, we're going to bring you to New York and we, we can all have lunch there. I mean, they actually have like good food, like they, oh, they're cool. locally sourcing and, and, and good coffee and stuff. And it's, it's a cool space. You know, they, they show off their Internet of Things stuff. One of the cool things that I bet you would like to play with, Brie, I didn't get a chance to try it out because they weren't done with the space when I went to get a preview, but they had these VR chairs, like these fully immersive <gasps> chairs. So <gasps> it's like... Yeah, exactly. So what it is basically is it's like the chairs that you have like at Disney World that'll go like back and forth and left and right. And then they put headphones on you, the level headphones, and then they give you like a gear VR. And so when you get into these VR demos and you're like completely immersed. So it's not just you know, seeing the stuff through the VR goggles, but like your whole body is involved in the process. And then what's super cool about that is that the the chairs themselves face the window that's like visible from the street. So you're enmeshed in like this virtual reality experience where like you don't see anything around you except, you know, obviously what's happening virtually. But from the street, people can like walk by and see people like enmeshed in these VR roles, like sitting in these chairs, which is it's kind so of so meta. So I, 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 I don't know. I think like we should call friends at Samsung and see if we can make RocketCon happen there. They have a podcast the space. They do. I was we could they record have a, they there. Have a, they have a podcasting space. They do. They the, we they have like an entire like studio set up for like people to do radio interviews and podcasts and stuff. So we, could, we could literally do we could literally do Rocket from there. Must happen. There's also a huge. There's also a huge selfie station, which is so cool. So you take a selfie and then it creates the selfie on the 96 uh, screen three-story display but it creates it out of tiny photos that have been taken other places so like so it's like pointillism i want mine to be made of pictures of tim cook right that that would be amazing Uh, that would be amazing no it's it's so cool i so that's the first place i'll be going when i get to new york Hopefully you should have two weeks, one week. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe yeah, you could live there, Simone. Maybe you could. It, yeah. Yeah. And it's in a there. great neighborhood, too. I have to say, I really give credit, Samsung credit for like picking the right neighborhood. It's, it's uh, right in meatpacking, you know, close to the High Line and, and, and DVF and the Whitney. And uh, no, it's a cool space. I was supposed to go see Florence the Machine perform on Monday night, and then I just didn't end up making it out to do it. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I'm hoping to, to go to stuff there in the future. But or just, you know, go chill. I mean, they're, they're open to like, because it's free. Uh, the food's not or whatever, but like, it's, it's free to go into. So it's one of those things they're hoping like the tourists come to, but also like regular people mm-hmm. who yeah. are just in the city are like, hey, let's chill and get some coffee. Yeah, and they've got like the whole smart or smart house set up, smart yeah. home set up rather, I should yeah. say. Yeah, so you can play with all that kind of stuff and And they do have a place where you can repair your phone. So like they have what they call the concierge, which is their take on the genius bar. And what was so funny, I have to say, is that when when the guy who's the the, the director of the space, he was giving me the tour, he said, and "You'll notice, you know, that that that, that our our um, you know, I guess their helpers, I think is what they're called, you know, sit side by side the customer." Ooh. Which was a subtle thing, the fact that at the Genius Bar, you know, they sit across from you. We think that they should sit side by side. So when they're repairing your phone or whatever, they'll do that. But it's oh. it's funny. But if you did have like a broken Samsung phone, like you could bring it in and get a screen repaired or get data back up or get one-on-one help or whatever. So, and have an experience at the same time. And have an experience. I mean, that's the whole thing. And walk through a VR tunnel um, of, of amazingness and, and take of pictures and, of your face, which is my who doesn't personal want that? fantasy. <laughs> So, so, I mean, the bottom line, do you think this is going, do you think it was a good investment for Samsung kind of, you know, having 
you know, their public image as something yeah. cool and forward-facing. I do. I do. I mean, I, it'll be a matter of time to see how well this investment pays off for them, right? But the way I kind of thought about it was, I remember when I first, one of the first times I ever came to New York, like going to the Sony style store, which, um, you know, is, is, is in Midtown and being like, as as you guys kind of described it, kind of like the, the children's museum sort of thing, um, yeah. having like the fact that they had all these showcases of future technologies and other stuff. And, and you could buy certain products there too. So they actually did have a retail component. But the fact that it was way more than that, it was it was this whole experience and how cool that was. And I think that building something like that kind of for the modern era, and especially since the space is modular and they can change a lot of the details out a lot and, and update things as you know, different uh, events happen and as, as different you know, things happen in media. Um, I think it is probably a good investment for them. I don't know how many people are going to come through and, and, and it's going to be one of those hard things, I think, for them to gauge the success because there's not an immediate ROI point. Like you can't buy anything in the store. And, and that might be the only thing I'm critical of is that I feel like even though I understand why they're not trying to make this a hard sell of like making you walk out the door with a Samsung bag, I do wish that there was like a method where it would be easier if you wanted to buy a phone that in the store they could have it set up so that you could at the very least, get an email or walk you through the process. Yeah, like you order know, to your house, something like precisely. that. Precisely. Yeah, maybe they could do something. Because I understand they can't, like one of the things when Apple is setting up the Apple Store is they had to bring in all this infrastructure, right? right? Like selling you your phone and then, you know, Genius Bar people coming in. Maybe, I don't know, partner with, uh, any one of their self carriers, like they have a, a good yeah, exactly. relationship with, yeah. Oh, totally. Well, I mean, it, or even people in the neighborhood. I mean, I think would even be smart. You know, they they say, well, we can you know turn people towards you know carrier stores in the neighborhood or the Best Buy on Fourteenth Street or whatever, and that's great. But I mean, almost would be better if like they almost have like a weird like Postmates sort of thing with them where you could literally courier somebody and be like, hey, if you wait here for ten minutes, we'll have somebody bring you know this phone to you and then you'll be able to buy it or whatever yeah, like, like having I think someone on hand to help you set it up is not a trivial thing like that's a really cool and helpful experience right. for new customers yeah, especially totally. like if you're coming in as someone who is interested in going over to samsung like right being able to buy something right there would be very convenient I mean, I think what's smart about it is that it kind of shows that, I mean, because we talk about Apple a lot and the affinity that people have for Apple products, but people often forget, and, and especially if you go to other parts of the world, this is really apparent too, but people have a huge affinity for Samsung stuff too. And so I think it's really smart of them to show off tech in new and inventive ways. And I think it's smart of them to really focus on like, you know, you know, making like technology and art, making art a big part of it and making kind of, you know, culture a big part of it. I think the space is, it looks really great. It, I, I can't wait to go back um, now that it's fully finished and kind of see it in the wild. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that, I, I think it's probably a good investment. I think that it's, um, you know, what he told me, the, the, the director of the space told me is that, you know, they wanted to create a space that is the future of retail. And to them, you know, the future of, of retail isn't, you know, retail, but experience. And that's interesting. Yeah, definitely. Well, what are you up to this week, Christina? Um, yeah, so the FBI is, you might have heard, we might have talked about the first half, you know, there, there might be this, 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 this whole phone battle thing. So yeah, I mean, that's been my life for the last week and it will be my life for the foreseeable, how, whenever this dies down. But I, I imagine, I think tomorrow, which is Thursday, might be a little bit of a breather, I'm hoping. Um, but Friday is going to be insane. Well, I'm super excited for one to follow the coverage of this because I am very deeply invested and angry. Brianna, what are you up to? Uh, so today I was doing, you know, I am like a political cruise missile when it comes to like solving political problems. So I have been back channeling with uh, South by Southwest a ton about their harassment con uh, conference. And it's just 
it's just been a hot mess and there's going to be some stuff that's going to come out in the press two weeks from now. And I'm, I'm just going to tell you right now, I told South by Southwest today, it's not going to be a great week for them. Um, they, they've really been hard to work with, uh, on this. It's, it's, I've spoken all over the world. I, I did Grace Hopper this year. I've done PAX. I've done GDC. I, I, you know, I, I'm a, I'm well-versed in the chaos that goes in putting together an event. South by Southwest has been the hardest professional experience I've ever had by far. Um, And it's just, you know, they got into this whole mess because they were really not aware of any of the dynamics. And they keep creating situations that are just frankly abusive to the people they're asking to participate and it's it's a real mess so uh i did that this week i have i i can't tease it and i actually haven't even told you guys about this privately but i have one of the biggest things of my entire career a huge secret project i've been working on and it's going to be coming out in a hell of a lot of media in a few weeks. So uh, I have been doing that. Christina, I need to give you a, a download on this. So uh, Yes, please do. Yeah, um, I've been doing that. Uh, I'm trying to get Rev 60 done. Um, uh, you know, my husband and I, we're, uh, it's just ridiculous everything. So <laughs> <laughs> I want to tell more things with that. I'm like, then there's a voice in your head. You're like, you can't say that. So working a yeah. hundred yeah. hours a day as usual. As, as usual. Yes. <laughs> and I am making videos for Polygon. I'm, I'm still <laughs> in my onboarding <laughs> things, but I, I'm really looking forward to getting started doing actual <laughs> work again. Um, yeah, so that's and um, yeah, you'll see. I'll, I'll let you know when stuff starts going up. I I imagine when you get to New York, you're gonna get out of the cab. It's gonna be just like the first episode of the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. <laughs> you're just gonna be like, like just your mouth is gonna be open the entire time. With how I've stunned been to you New are. York before. I'm yeah. not a total country bumpkin. No, but it's gonna be amazing. We're gonna love you for it so much. Yeah, like yeah. It, it, uh, we're, we're, so I'm immediately taking. I'm immediately taking you out for drinks on me, of course. Yes. Yes. Double yes. <laughs> and oh. I'll repay the favor when I'm done crying about my new high rent. And apparently $8 organic eggs, my new roommate told me she saw in the store the other day. I am appalled. Wait, wait, wait. What if, yeah, if your rent was what you said, I think it was, that's not high rent. No, that's no. Not. You're thinking yeah. about the, the three-bedroom place that I was right. looking at. Okay. And anyway, uh, we'll talk about, I'm not going to talk about my rent on the podcast. That, that's not, okay, okay. Yeah, we'll argue about this well, later. After okay, the okay. That's <laughs> good. Uh, so, yeah. Christina, where can we find you online? You can find me at film underscore girl on the Twitters, and uh, you can find my articles at Mashable. Cool. Brianna, what about you? You can find me in the awesome thread of Tim Cook Photoshop to be G.I. Yes. Joe that I just dropped into chat and that Darth is working <laughs> yeah. on as we speak that will be in the show notes. And you can click through these very patriotic pictures of Tim Cook and you'll see a Twitter account there called Space Cat Gal that you should click follow on. Follow Unless on. you have a hipster comment, typewriter, then you can't do it. Don't try. Yeah, it, so. You can't do it on the hipster typewriter, sadly, because it has Wi-Fi but no Twitter. I mean, what the hell? Then why does it even exist? Exactly. You can find me on Twitter at Doom Quasar, and soon you'll be able to find my videos at Polygon. Okay, <laughs> I'm excited. Um, yeah, thanks for listening this week. If you like this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes and a star rating that is um, four stars or more. 
that's actually the the minimum number of stars that you can leave on itunes unfortunately they just made that rule um <laughs> don't be mad at me for the jokes that i made or the jokes christina made about the bear um <laughs> maybe just wait till next week anyway thank you for listening as usual and this episode of rocket is terminated 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 <laughs> <laughs>